is grace, that you would open our spiritual eyes, Lord, that you would help us to see who we are in you. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church, in this place, God. May your word go forth in power, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have a Bible, if you don't, we have the great Bible in the sky behind me, but I want you to look at the words. Looking at the words is very, very, very important. Shane mentioned that he's always on his phone. I'm actually opposite. I'm a little over 40, so I consider myself old school. So I actually have my, my, my hand Bible, so I, I lost the cover on this thing this morning. But I like to look at the words. I tried it on the phone, but it's just, I, I can't, I don't like it on the phone. So if you have a hard case Bible, that's good. I'm big on you taking notes, not to impress me, but I know the three greatest words in all of Christendom is write it down, because what you don't see, you can't do. So take notes, not to impress me or because this is a lectern, but to write some stuff down. Maybe God will give you a word or a thought. Write it down so you can look at it, because as you look at something, it becomes more manifest and real. We also have all of our messages available on podcast and on our website. So if you want to listen to it through the week, we encourage you to do that. Every message we've preached, my wife, myself, Pastor Dave, Shane, others, it's all there for you to listen to because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and by hearing through the Word of God. That word hearing doesn't mean heard. It means a continual hearing of the Word of God. So don't be ashamed. Don't be perplexed or don't think it's weird to listen to something over and over again, because the more it comes into our heart and our mind, it changes us. Amen? If you have a Bible, we're going to be in two big places today, and we're going to have a lot of other scriptures. I'm a scripture junkie, so we're going to go through a lot. So thank you, Stephen and Dom, for helping me with this. But we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're also going to be in Luke chapter 10. So Ephesians 2 and Luke 10. We ready for this? I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 2. This is the great Apostle Paul speaking of the gospel of grace and how we're saved. And we're going to jump into verses 4, 5, 8, 9, but I want to read verse 1. This is a special verse for me. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses in sin. So Paul starts the gospel by saying, And you he made alive who were dead. You know, Christianity is not about making bad people good. Christianity is about making dead people alive. Christianity is not about making you a gooder person. You can't be good enough. Christianity is all about making dead people alive. And so Paul said, and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And in verse 4, he goes on to say, but God, who is rich in mercy, Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And down to verse 8, he says again, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That's the vehicle. And that not of yourselves. You could circle that if you have a Bible. Keep that word. And that not of yourselves. Turn to the person next to you. Make sure the way you can say, not of yourself. That this is not of yourself. Salvation is not of yourself. It is, a gift. it is the gift of God, not of works. All right, keep that word works in your mind. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see here that Christianity is not about making you good. It's about making you alive. And Christianity is not about you. It's all about God. 
It's not about your work, lest you boast in yourself. You know, sometimes I wonder if it's really the worship that holds us back, or if I could say politely, it's ourselves that hold ourselves back. You see, if you believe that you save yourself, then your worship is going to be, like your life, very conditional, very up and down, because it all depends on you and how you feel. I know for myself, when I go to church on Sunday, if I'm not careful, man, I am fired up. I mean, I'm willing to run all the way home to Fullerton, (laughs) California, which we're moving here closer, so that's going to be good for my body. But by Wednesday, eh, by Thursday, eh, see, because my focus is on me. And this morning, I want to I teach you, if I can say that politely, a very simple principle that will change your life, that the gospel of grace, being sure that you're saved, is understanding that God saves you. It's coming to the conclusion that it's not by works, lest any man should boast, but it's actually a gift of God to you. Now, many of you might have heard this before, and if you have and you know this more than me, would you pretend like you're awake and listening? But these simple truths are powerful, powerful truths because it's not about knowing that this is true. It's about receiving it to be your truth, to change your life. And so by grace, Paul says, you're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. As I mentioned, grace, the word grace or charis, in the New Testament, or hased in the Old Testament, is a word for abundant favor. It's also used for the love of God. And grace is not a doctrine. Grace is not a teaching. Grace is a person. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus came on the scene and John the Baptist saw him, right? He saw him before. They were actually blood cousins. John the Baptist and Jesus were family. But John didn't know who Jesus was until God revealed it to John. And when Jesus came on the scene, John said that he was the manifest presence of God, full of grace and truth. See, grace isn't a doctrine that was taught by Paul or by Jesus. Jesus was grace. Jesus was the one that gave favor and abundant blessing to his people. The Bible says this in 1 John in chapter 4 and verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God. Do you see that there? But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. You see, the law was given to the people through Moses, but grace came in the person of Jesus. The law demands from you. Grace supplies to your heart. The law is all about you doing Grace is all about God doing. So much emphasis in the church now, and if we're not careful, I can actually say this and believe this, that we are as God's people to love the Lord. I remember when I first became a Christian, I got excited about that. I was on a mission to show God how much Joel loved him, but man, that was exhausting. I mean, it is hard to love God all the time with all your heart. Now, like I said, you might be holier than me, but God showed me something as I prepared this, that it is not, listen carefully, it is not about only how much you love God. That is not the Christian faith. If that's so, you're going to be an average Christian. 
And how are average Christians? Up and down. Feel like it, don't feel like it. Feel like it, don't feel like it. Good days, bad. You might be seeing, oh, this is sounding like me. Good days, bad days. Because you're basing your Christianity on you. You're supposed to base your Christianity on the Lord. By grace, you have been saved. And this, remember, not of yourself. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Salvation is a gift. The law condemns the best of us, but grace saves the worst of us. The law is all about telling people that you got to love God. Anyone ever hear like old school preaching that way? And not that that's wrong, right? Ever hear a sermon or hear people get fired up? You got to love God more and you got you to gotta do all these things to love God. And it becomes actually a heavy burden. Well, this morning, Jesus came to lift your heavy burden. And part of the heavy burden that we carry as believers is just feeling like we can't measure up to God's expectation for our lives. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, when the law was given, Moses told the people this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you might be sitting there thinking, wait a second. Isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing? You are supposed to be doing that. But listen, the law was never given for us to fulfill the law. The law was never given for us to fulfill the law. For 1,500 years, God's people, the nation of Israel, were under the law, and not one of them measured up, not even the great King David. King David was a righteous man, though he did unrighteous things. King David confessed in the book of Psalms, that's your law, O Lord, I cannot keep. But praise be to the one, David said, whose sins are forgiven and his transgressions are blotted out. Somehow through the Holy Spirit, David had a glimpse of the grace of God. David was never taught the grace of God, but the Holy Spirit spoke to David and David prophesied a type or a shadow, a different. Blessed is the man whose sins are not counted against him, bless you, and whose trespasses are blotted out. And so the law was given, and God knew all along that it was going to be impossible for you and me to measure up to the law. Paul says in the book of Romans that by the law, the appearance of sin is made known, or he says it this way, by the law comes the knowledge of sin. So keeping the law doesn't make us more righteous. Keeping the law, I don't know about for you, but for me, just makes me more knowledgeable that I'm a sinner. And so the more we try to love God, I know this is almost sounding controversial, but it'll it'll tie in. We're actually missing the gospel. And Paul came in the book of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus and said, wait a second. It is about you loving God, but it's first about God loving you. That's the gospel of grace. That's what empowers you. The law is all about you loving God. But Paul said the gospel is all about you letting God love you. Now, I loved our time of worship, and it's exciting when we do. We, 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 we talk out and worship. I love that because we're a spirit-filled church. I love between the songs. I call them Pentecostal pauses. I love when Lance just kind of hits the key, ooh, and I'm feeling it, and I'm in the front row, and I'm telling God, God, I love you, and great are you, Lord, and all that stuff. But I wonder, 
when there's times where we need to let God love on us. See, that's a lot harder to do, friends. It's easy. It's easy to a certain degree to love on God. It's a hard thing to let God love you. Oh, that's difficult. I don't know why that is, but we're much more challenged letting God love us than us trying our best to love God. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but not first. In chronological order, the Bible says we read it. So uh, we read it that in this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us first. See, most of us are on the wrong premise. We're on the wrong elevator floor. You got to start at the ground before you go to the top. But in us is the desire to want to be at the top without first going through the steps. And if you want to be a good Christian this morning, hello, if you're listening to me this morning, everyone awake, if you want to be sure that you're saved, make sure you're allowing God love you, the icky parts of you, the inconsistent parts of you, the parts that you like and the parts that you dislike, because that is the true gospel. And man, was Paul and Jesus persecuted for this. That's why church folk didn't like Jesus a whole lot. He would tell the religious people, you brood of vipers, and then have absolute mercy and grace with the sinners and the prostitutes and the drunkards because they understood the gospel. They understood that it was grace, that it was the favor of God, lest any man should boast before God. And that's what heaven is going to be like. Heaven is going to be a place full of people giving all of the honor and glory. Notice it says that in Revelation, all of the honor. Not some of it. See that? Not some of the honor. Not some of the glory, depending on how good I did in this life, God. So you're somewhat pleased that I'm here, and then Shane's here, and then Dominic's way up there, and Marco's way back here because he's not too close to God. No, just kidding. Right? And so we're all kind of like measuring up to God, and we're, we're kind of giving him some of the glory, but we're also thinking of what he's done. That is so far from the truth. The truth is God is going to receive all the glory because God does all of the saving. Amen. That deserves a little clap right there. That, that's powerful stuff. I, I know you might know this, but for those of you that don't, I didn't. God is going to get all of the glory because God is the one that's doing all of the saving. We're to respond to him. We're to love God, but we're to say, God, thank you for loving me. It's by your grace that I've been saved through faith, not of my works, lest any man should boast before God. Man, when you grab a hold of that truth, man, it begins to change you from the inside out because God is doing the work in you. Paul the apostle had this same revelation in the next chapter. In Ephesians chapter 3, he says this. You'll remember these words. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Listen to this. That you being rooted and grounded in love. And here's the verses. Remember this? That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the breadth, and the height to know the love of Christ. Do you see that? Remember I said to look at the words? Where's it, what does it say there? To know the love what? Say it to me. Notice it doesn't say to know the love for Christ. See, Paul understood it's the love of Christ for you, not the love of your love or not the love for Christ. Does that make sense? Paul understood that it is grace you've been saved. He said, oh, man, do I want people to know, basically. Oh, am I excited? Oh, it fired him up that people would know the love of of God for them, not their love for God, 
You will never have enough love for God, or you will be a roller coaster. It'll be all dependent upon you. And I know me, and I'm not consistent enough, but God is consistent. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Paul said, man, I want you to have a revelation. See, Paul had a revelation of the love of God, not the love for God. Now, did Paul have a great love for God? Of course he did. But that came on the shoulders of the love of God for himself. See, Paul understood, and Paul wants us to understand, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled. You see that? With all the fullness of God. The most fired up Christians, I'm starting to figure this out, aren't the ones that are spending their whole week trying to love God. They're the ones spending their whole week letting God love on them. And God says, if you will let me love you today, I will fill you with all of the fullness of God. You'll be full on the inside. Your belly will be full. Think of it like eating. You can't eat enough. You can't love God enough. There will always be a hunger. There will always be something missing. But when you let God love on you, you're like a full belly. You are satisfied. You are blessed. There's a confidence. There's a skip to your step. There's something in your eyes. There's something in the way you live and talk and walk and move and have your being because you're full with the fullness of God. And it says in verse 20, remember this verse? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And I like to be a little picky and not, not be too, hey, you, you heard that wrong. But I've heard that verse a lot, right? It's just sometimes it's preached out of context. The word context, Shane brought us that a few words ago. Context means, what does that mean in the context of what's being said? Well, God ain't going to do exceedingly abundantly in your life if you don't let him love you. It says, now you have God able to do exceedingly abundantly in your life when? when you understand the power of his love for you. Amen? Not your love for God. You can never love God well enough. God deserves more love from you than you even think he does. But, oh, when the man or woman catches a vision of God loving you, oh, man, it begins to change things. Man, it changes you from the inside out. And Paul had a great, great revelation of God's love for him. John and Peter were two of Jesus's uh, favorite people. John, we're going to look at a couple things. This is going to be exciting, I believe. John and Peter are two examples in the Bible of grace and the law, okay? Everyone still with me here? So John is going to be our example for grace, and Peter is going to be our example of the law. John is going to be our example of boasting in God's love for him, And Peter is our example of him boasting in his love for God. A lot of times we're taught that John had a special relationship with Jesus, that like Jesus loved John more than he loved the disciples. That is absolutely baloney. Jesus loved his disciples all, it says, till the end. But John understood something. John understood, by the way, the name John means son of grace. Isn't that interesting? And the word Peter means tablet or stone. Let me ask you a quick question. The law was written on what? Interesting. Isn't that interesting? So John's word, Johanna, actually means the word son of grace. 
Isn't that amazing? And Peter's name literally means tablet or stone. Isn't that interesting? And in the Bible, John represents grace, that he boasted in God's love for him. Peter represented the law, him boasting all about how much he loved God. Remember Peter? God, I'll be with you till the end. Be, be careful. I know this, again, can sound a little, be careful in your boast of your love for God. Be careful of that because you are setting yourself up for a fall. If anything, I'm beginning to slowly teach my kids, by the grace of God, I'll resist that. Be careful, the Bible says, lest you fall. We are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but with sober judgment. Well, what is that sober judgment? The grace of God. Don't ever tell yourself you'll never do because you're setting yourself up to be a victim of the way the law works. The law always kills. The letter kills. Always say, God, by your grace, my I live a clean life. God, by your grace, may you empower me to be a good husband and father. God, by your grace, will you bless my business or my family? Never say, God, I'm going to just do it. Man, the people said that in the Old Testament. Guess what happened? 3,000 of them died. God was about to give them the law. And they said, God, whatever you say, we'll do. The next thing that happened, 3,000 of them died because they couldn't do it. Be careful to say never. Be careful to say, God, I will always, because you're beginning to live through the power of the law, not the power of grace. Amen? It says this in John chapter 13, verse 23, about John, if you're following me. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom or his chest, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. See, John was practicing the love of God. Is this making sense? John wasn't more loved by Jesus. That actually would be sinful. Jesus loved everybody the same. But John understood something the other disciples didn't. He understood that it was all about Jesus' love for him. And so John was also pictured. I thought that was beautiful, that physical representation, that John was always next to the chest or the heart of God. Why? Because he knew it was all about God's love for him. Peter, on the other hand, in John 13, 37, said this. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And we remember the story. If you read a couple uh, verses later, guess what happened to Peter? Man, he denied Jesus three times that same night. Isn't that interesting? See, that's the law. See, the law will tell you, man, Joel, you just got to do it. And God, I love you with all my heart. I'll never do this. Man, you are setting yourself up for a fall. What we should do is like John said, God, I depend on you. Oh, man, that's how you don't judge people, by the way. Paul in the New Testament, all through the New Testament, he said to think soberly, to to be careful to judge. Why? Because he understood the grace. Paul said, it is the grace that God has given me that I am who I am. Paul never boasted in himself. Paul never displayed his great thing. Remember, if anything, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, I'm a Jew. I'm the best Pharisee there is. He said, all this stuff I count as dung as garbage for the sake of knowing Christ, to be found in him and his righteousness for me. See, Paul got got it. Paul understood grace. Though he did amazing things for God and loved God with all of his heart, he understood it was all about God's love for him. That was the premise of his life. That was the power in his ministry. And that's going to be the power of your life. That's going to be the power of this ministry, that it is all about God. 
It's all about Jesus and what he's done for you. At the end of the story, you remember this, that Peter denied Jesus three times and God restored him. But last time I checked, at the end of the story, John was found at the foot of the cross. Isn't that interesting? So the son of grace was found where? At the cross of Jesus. Where was Peter? He was gone. Peter was hiding somewhere because he boasted in his love for God. God says, I don't want you to boast, South County, in your love for God. I want you to boast in my love for you. And when you boast in my love for you, oh, I will help you love me with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the gospel. That is the gospel of grace because of his great love for you. It's who we are today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5. This was in our reading last week. So if you missed this, you weren't part of this sermon. I'm just kidding. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 5 says, this is so beautiful. Listen, now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love, the love of God, not for God. See, this is all through the New Testament. May the Lord help you. I pray that this week. Lord, would you direct my heart, where? Into your love for me. Man, I hope some of you are kind of squirming like, I've never heard this before. Congratulations, you're hearing the gospel. You're hearing the gospel. I'm telling you, this is going to change you. I know I'm up here uh, trying to make it fun. This is powerful stuff. This is deep theology, but it's not theology for theology's sake. This, This will transform your life. The writer of 2 Thessalonians, we believe as Paul said, hey, Lord, would you help direct my heart where? Into your love for me? Because that's a hard thing to do. God, it's one thing for me to tell you you're great. And God, I bless you today. Some of us in tongues, and then I'm not making fun of that. You know, it is good to love God. Don't misunderstand. It is good to tell him how much he's worthy. But when was the last time you let God tell you you're worthy through Jesus? When was the last time you said, God, I want you this morning to... Or, God, I'm giving you permission this morning just to love on me. Ooh, man, that's hard. That's hard to do. That's harder than loving on God, believe it or not. And when you let God love on you, it'll sustain you. You know, Jesus understood this secret. Jesus understood that his approval came from the Lord God, the Father himself. Remember when he was baptized? It said, and suddenly in Matthew 3, 17, a voice came from heaven when he came out of the water saying, this is my beloved son. See that there? in whom I am well pleased. Oh, man, that's beautiful. That's, by the way, if you've never been water baptized, that's, that's part of the power of water baptism. It doesn't save you, but it's a, it's a physical, tangible way of receiving that love from the Lord. But when Jesus came up from the water, the Bible says a voice came down from heaven. Audibly, we don't know, probably, because John recorded it, and Luke recorded it, and others, but it says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. See, Jesus operated not from his love for God, but the Father's love for him. See that? He understood grace. He manifested God in flesh. He was full of grace. When Jesus went on from there, he was tempted by the devil. By the way, sometimes when God blesses you, your next step is temptation. Do not be deceived, do not be dismayed. Sometimes out of the greatest highs will come the greatest challenges. That's why we're to walk and say, God, your, your, your grace, God, protect me. It says this, now when the tempter came in Matthew 4, verse 3, he came to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, 
Command that these stones become bread. And the Lord showed me something, guys, yesterday that was so exciting. Hopefully you'll get excited about this. I noticed, if you notice there, the devil dropped off the word beloved. You see that there? He came to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones become bread. Do you know why the devil will never call you beloved? Because if the devil told you that you are loved by God, you would abstain from temptation and sin. See, that's the ploy of the devil, to get you alone and to have you doubt who God says you are. See, the approval of your father in heaven is what gives you the power to live an overcoming life. It's knowing that you're loved by God. That's your fuel to resist temptation. That's your energy. That's your breakfast to help you overcome sin. Not your lousy effort. Your effort comes and goes, man. You're fired up on a Sunday, but by Thursday, you're flat. You're flat if you're trying to do this by yourself. But when you receive from God in the morning, that's what I do every morning in Coffee Bean. Every single morning, I'm there Monday through Friday, taking time, reading God's word, and just letting God love on me. Say, Lord, I just love you today. Oh, Lord, I receive your love, God. Lord, remind me how much you love me through Jesus. Oh, God, you love Jesus so much that you sacrificed him for me? Oh, man, that begins to change you. That's what helps you fight temptation. Amen? That's what helps you win the battle. See, Jesus understood that he was loved by God, and so he resisted the enemy. He resisted sin. Why? Not because he was so tough, but he was living from a place of love. Amen? Live from a place of love. That's good stuff there. You guys should be clapping more, but whatever. (laughs) This is a tough crowd, I'm telling you. Grace is the number of five, and I'll be done in a couple minutes. Anyone enjoying this good stuff? Grace is the number of five. All through the Bible, grace is the number of five. The fifth time God spoke to Noah, the Bible says, and Noah found grace in the sight of God. The fifth time, we read it a couple days ago, the Lord spoke through Ruth. Ruth spoke to Boaz and said, what is it, Boaz, that I have found favor and grace in your sight? Five is the number of grace, just like in the Bible. Seven is the number of completion. I'm going to give you five things that you will receive. These you want to write down if you will boast in God's love for you, okay? Are you ready for these? And then I promise I'll be done. The five things, the first thing you'll experience is greater intimacy with God. You will receive greater intimacy with God when you allow yourself to boast in God's love for you. And these are all through the gospel of John, who means son of grace. Listen to this. Then leaning in John 13, verse 25 and 26, then leaning back on Jesus's breast or chest, he said to him, Lord, who is it? This is profound. This is about who was going to betray Jesus. Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. Can I give you a little fun fact? You know, I told you, I'm a study nerd. Did you know not 12 disciples were in the upper room? <laughs> there was a lot of disciples that followed Jesus. How do we know that? Well, when, um, when Judas died in the book of Acts chapter 1, this is a fun fact, but it's important to know. They said, hey, let's choose someone from among us who has been with us from the beginning. And it wanted it to be Matthias. Men, Jesus had many, many, many disciples. It wasn't 12. If Jesus gave one person a piece of bread out of 11, they'd automatically know it was Judas. There was many in that upper room. The 12 were the closest to him. But notice that there, that because 
John was leaning on God's love for him, God began to speak his heart to John. You see that? Only John knew, this is powerful, listen. Only John knew who would betray Jesus because Jesus told him. Why? Because John was so close to Jesus, he was actually laying on his chest. Men would lay on the floor. If you ate in, in, in Middle Eastern, you'd actually eat like this, which I want to start eating like this. This is, how my, this is how my boys eat at our house. But a table would be like this, and often you would recline at table. That's why Jesus says, I want to dine with you, like at a table. No, not at a table. It's a place of relaxation and fellowship. So they would sit down there, Juan, like this, and, and maybe John was sitting next to him, and so he was close to Jesus' chest. And so, hey, hey, Jesus, who, who is the one that's going to betray you? And so Jesus wasn't like, okay, everyone stand up. Okay, everyone hop on one foot. It was, it was intimate. He said, the one I dipped this piece of bread into. So John was very, very close to Jesus. He said he, he laid on his chest. And did you know when you let God love you, God will do that to you? When you let God love you, God will begin to share with you secrets. He'll show you his heart. He'll show you things that others don't see. Why? Because they're so busy trying to love God. And I'm not telling you we're not to love God. We are. But when was the last time you let God love you and lay it on his chest and allow him to speak to you? If you do that, that's going to be one of the blessings of your life. When you let God love you, when you boast about God's love for you, God will increase your intimacy with him. You'll be close to God. You'll feel his heart. What concerns God, he'll whisper to you. Man, I got to give props to my wife. And that's not about me puffing up my wife. I don't need to, but I know my wife's like that. She calls it her mudroom. I call it a loud computer, and she sings okay. (laughs) But I'll hear her in there. This morning it was about 545, and she is telling God how much she loves him, but I know she's allowing God to tell her how much he loves her. And God is showing her things, and God will show you things. See, greater intimacy comes not when you tell God how much you love him, but when you let God love on you. Say, God, I love you this morning. And you let God, Lord, I receive it. God will begin to share intimate secrets with you. Amen? Number two, it's a place of true ministry to the Lord. This is powerful, too. I put in quotes, he will entrust you. Listen to this, same John. Now, in John chapter 19, this is at the cross. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by. Isn't that funny that John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus? Sounds a little cocky, doesn't it? It's like, dude, what do you mean disciple who you love? That'd be like... Hun, who are you going to lunch with? It was me. Uh, my, uh, I'm going to lunch with Dominic, uh, Stephen, and the one whom Jesus loved. It almost sounds like, John, easy on yourself. No, no, no. What John meant was, John was saying the one whom he let God love on. The one whom Jesus loved. Why? Because John received, boasted in Jesus' love for him. But he says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother... And the disciple whom he loved, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. You can read that and kind of, oh, that's nice. Dude, that's powerful. See, when you boast in God's love for you, not only will your intimacy grow, God will treasure you with true ministry. 
Now, I'm not an expert, okay? I've been around the block for a while, and this might not pertain to you, but I know and have seen a lot of people striving so hard to minister to the Lord through whatever it is, through gifts and talents, or they're striving to be the next pastor and this or that. And I had a season of that. But God was showing me as I was preparing that that striving was somewhat linked to me showing God how much I loved him. But true ministry comes from a place of allowing God to change you by his love. Man, think about it. On the cross, that was a desperate, vulnerable moment for Jesus. And John was there. And John was there. Peter was not there. Now, Peter was restored, and we'll see that. But John was there because John understood the grace of God. And in that intimate moment, Jesus said, John, I want you to take care of my mom. Mom, this is your new boy. Boy, this is your new mother. Now, that's powerful stuff. No other disciple did Jesus say that to. Why? Because they weren't loved by Jesus? No, of course they were loved by Jesus. But John understood grace, and I'm telling you that when you allow God to love on you, God will give you true ministry, true ministry unto the Lord where it's powerful and mighty. Man, I can't help but reference our senior pastor, Pastor Jerry. Man, that guy cries all the time, man. And sometimes it's like, gosh darn it, and then I start crying all the time. Why does he cry all the time? Because he's caught a revelation of this. He understands. And there's other famous and important men and women who God uses in mighty ways. It's not because they're so good. It's not because they love God so much. It's because they've caught a revelation of the love of God for them. Number three, we doing all right? This is good, too. You'll love this one. So not only will you have experienced greater intimacy, true ministry, in other words, God will entrust you with something. What was more important to Jesus than entrusting his mom to John? When you let God love you, God will entrust you. Listen, folks, friends, with real ministry. I don't mean necessarily on a platform, but God will give you important things for you to steward for his name's sake. Listen to this. Number three, God will also give you spiritual growth. When you let God love on you, guess what? That is the fast track to grow tall in Christendom. It is not you loving on God. It is God loving on you. Hear me, please. If you want to grow, you feel a little stuck, guess what the recipe is? It's letting God love you. It can't be that simple, but it is. Listen to this. I thought this was interesting that I saw this here. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. Remember, Mary Magdalene was there, and she went back and told Peter, John, and the other disciples. They were locked in the house. And then it says this in verse 20, or chapter 20, John 20, verse 3 and 4. Peter, therefore, went out and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. Listen, this is cool. So they both ran together. You see that? But listen to this. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Isn't that cool? The other disciple whom Jesus loved got to the tomb first. What is that verse saying? It's saying exactly what I just said. You will outgrow people. And it's not about competition, but if you want to grow spiritually and outrun others, let God love you this morning. Don't spend all your time trying to show God how much you love him. It'll actually stunt your growth. Why? Because you're inconsistent. You're fired up on a Sunday, but you're not like that on Tuesday. Nobody is. You might get a little better, but you will get out. Boom. John will run right by you. Someone that understands Someone that understands that God loves him and receives God's love on a daily portion, you will, 
You will fly by people. People will say, man, what happened to that guy? And you will get people jealous of you. Man, people wanted to stone Stephen. The Bible says his face shone like an angel, and they couldn't stand it. The first martyr, they took up stones and stoned this kid to death. Why? Because he had a revelation of God's love for him. The Bible says his face shone like an angel. He was changed not because he loved God so much. Nobody can. The Bible tells us trying to do that and lift perfect only condemns you. But he received God's love for him. And if you want to outrun people in this life, not that you're competing, but if you want to grow tall like the cedars of Lebanon, let God love on you. Let God love you this morning. Watch how you will outrun others who are stuck trying to love God all by them little selves. Number four, this is powerful too. I love this stuff. You'll be at the right place at the right time. I told you we're also going to be in Luke and I'm almost done. Are we enjoying this? This is good stuff. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. This is the story of Mary and Martha. By the way, scholars believe John was there. So all five of these points have the one who loved Jesus or Jesus loved on him, John. John was there. It says this. You've heard this before, but I want to show you a quick principle because I'm out of time. Now, it happened as they went that he and entered a certain village, Jesus, and a certain woman named Martha. It was interesting that Lance shared this. He had no idea what I was preaching on today. Welcomed him into her house, and she and her sister called Mary. This is the same one Lance spoke about. Mary, a few days later, anointed Jesus uh, for his burial. It ties in exactly what Lance shared. But Martha, verse 40, was distracted with much serving. Huh, with much serving. Listen to this. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this serving? Therefore, tell her to come help me. Lord, do you not care that, man, it sure doesn't seem like that guy's loving you like the way he should. What's up with him? Lord, can't you tell that I'm like laying it down and doing all this work and getting up every morning and telling you how much I love you? What's up with this cat? They're not, I don't see them doing any of that stuff. Now, is serving and loving God important? Of course it is. But listen to what Jesus says. He verifies the principles. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. See, that's what you loving God leads you to. Isn't that true? See, you can't, couldn't put it in words, but maybe that was your aha moment. If you try to love God all by yourself, you will be worried and troubled about many things because you can't love God enough. You're not good enough. You'll be troubled in your mind or worried in your heart. But listen to what he says in verse 42. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. See, Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, but let him wash her with her love. And as Lance shared so beautifully, a couple days later, it was that Mary that was in the right place at the right time anointed Jesus for his burial. Friends, I'm telling you, when you let God love you, he will set you up. He will set you up big time. You will be in the right place at the right time. He'll give you opportunities to share God's love. Or he'll bring promotion. He'll open up the doors for things you're waiting and praying for, how and when, when you let him love on you. He has a way of ordering our steps. The steps of a righteous man 
Uh, David said, are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the right hand of the Lord upholds him. See, it's God's love for you that will lead you to right things at the right time. It's you letting God love on you and speak to you and spending time in his word and sitting before him that God will show you, hey, I want you to go here. I want you to do that. I don't know how it happened. We just found a house. and we. God will allow opportunities. You'll be in the right place at the right time to do things for God, to receive from his goodness, to see breakthrough, to get supernatural answers, to allow things to open up for you because you spent time letting God love on you versus you just trying to love on God all by yourself. And finally, you will follow the Lord without setback. How many of you want to follow God without falling back? Hey, it's a beautiful thing that God wants to restore people. But guess what? God don't want to restore you. God don't want to restore you. God wants you to keep going. God's plan for you is to go from glory to glory. Remember that song? We've sung it before. From, to go from glory to glory, from height to height, from measure to measure. God is in the restoration business, but God don't want to restore you. He wants you just to follow him all the days of your life, all the days of your life. And it says this in John chapter 21, verse 20. Then Peter, Peter was restored by Jesus, turning around, listen, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, what? Following. Do you see that there? John always followed Jesus. He wasn't restored. Did John sin? Of course he sinned. But Peter, because he always was boasting about his love for God, got himself in trouble and God had to restore Peter and lift him up, and Peter fell. And, but if you want to live a consistent life, always following God, the secret is not you learning to love God more. The secret is you allowing God to love you more and to receive his grace. You will always follow God. Paul told that same thing, that follow me, he said, as I follow Christ. He didn't say follow me Monday, Wednesday, Friday when I feel good or I feel worthy. Paul says you can follow my life. As I follow Christ, why? Because Paul had a revelation of the love of God. He understood that God loved him with a deep, profounding love. It was so great, so wide, he couldn't put it into words. He says it was so great. He said, God, I pray that people would understand how much you love them so that they could live the life that they want. You'll experience great intimacy. You'll perform true ministry to the Lord, not out of service or I got to get things done. Maybe some of you here, maybe even some on our team, you're, you're feeling that exhaustion. Be careful that you're not ministering out of your own strength or worthiness because you will be inconsistent. You will not be able to sustain spiritual growth, as I mentioned, being at the right place at the right time. I love that one. And following Jesus. I want to pray for us. Lance, would you come? And we're going to sing a song of response. This is an oldie but goodie, so don't, don't get too caught in the song. But I want to lead us this morning. Would you stand together with me? We're out of time. I still had a couple things to share, but the Lord is here today. Can you sense his presence? He wants to help you today. Don't miss this opportunity. I know you got things to do and you're busy. I'm busy too. The law will only lead you to one conclusion. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. But God's grace is here today to tell you that we are to receive good that we don't deserve because Jesus received all the bad that we do deserve. You know, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, real quick, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel rose and fall by the high priest. In the Old Testament, if the high priest was good, the nation was blessed. 
If the high priest was bad, the nation went through times of destruction and discouragement. But the Bible says in Hebrews, I didn't get a chance to get it, we have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. Jesus is always good all the time. And his grace is here for you this morning. Not for you to try harder to love God, but that you would allow God to love you. Maybe for the first time you've never truly opened your heart. The Bible says that he sings over you this morning. That God doesn't judge you according to who you are. God judges you according to who Jesus is when he sees you. And the devil will remind you of your sin. You point him to Jesus. And may Paul's prayer be our prayer. Lord, would you direct my heart? 